Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Welcome back to Cannonball Golf Pod, episode 021. We are now of legal age. 21. <laughs> So long we think everything we had... before this point has been illegal. <laughs> I actually put in my notes that we were on twenty, so I must have been really drunk those first few episodes. So the only thing we have looked forward to is twenty five, where our insurance rates go down. Yep, and, and then we can after rent that, cars, and we can rent cars, yeah. and then after that, the, the pod will just get old. Yeah, it's just gonna <laughs> long slide into downhill mediocrity. U.S. Open recap. Old shinny. A lot of. A lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot of shinnying going on <laughs> a lot of... in the Hamptons this weekend. Some been... of the verbal variety. <laughs> I've been really looking forward to cracking my favorite United States light beer, Coors Light. Let's hear it. In, in anticipation for, for this conversation because there's there's just a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, we're cracking. We're might, need, we're... might need two. <laughs> I don't doubt your abilities. <laughs> So where should I guess we should just start with what we want to start with is the players is what yeah. the, the what it should be what about. it should be about off the top yep. Brooks Kepka back to back back to back baby back to back jacks yeah that was pretty impressive first time since Curtis Strange as we all found out if you didn't know before in almost thirty years yeah, eighty eight eighty nine yeah. yeah so he was really impressive I mean did it kind of the same way he did at Aaron Hills he was. Bombing it and putting incredible. Yes. So, totally earned it. Only one of seven guys now to win consecutive U.S. Opens. That's crazy. And yeah. like even before Curtis, that goes way back. Way back. To oh, Hogan, Hogan. In the Hogan. 50s. Hogan actually won four out of six in the late 40s and 50s. He wow. won... 48, 50, 51, 53. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Bobby Jones won a couple back-to-back. I mean, he won like four, but he won back-to-back sometime in the 30s. Other than that, you've never really heard of any of the guys who've done it. And I also saw today that he's, besides Bobby Jones, he's the only one to win back-to-back holding the 54-hole lead. Oh, that's cool. I didn't see that. Which is interesting. That is interesting. I mean... So, so all the other ones came from behind. Yeah, on Sunday, he just, we were just talking before we came, you know, on the air that he just earned it more than anybody. I mean, he shot a 68 when all those other guys, other than Fleetwood and Reed, who were, you know, not out of it right. at the beginning of the day, but they weren't in the last like three or four pairings. The last three or four pairings, he's the only guy who shot under par. I mean, so many great shots on the back nine. That blind nine iron on 10 yep. to like four feet. He uh, kind of won it on 11. One, 11 with the, uh, yeah. He had to put it, put it into the bunker. It was long left. He had to put it in the bunker. Yep, and, and he then, heard him talking about it. Yeah, that was cool. And then jam, rammed in like a 15-footer right. with a big, for a bogey. Right. Gave a big fist bump. But that, you know. That pretty much won it for him. Yeah, better than double bogey. And then the next hole, I think 12, he had went over the green again and hit like a flop shot mm-hmm. to get up and down when they said it was like impossible. Yep. Um, and then 16, you know, just stuffed it when it was Though, really on the line. And nobody even got close to that pin on 16. It was so far back into the wind. It was by far the best wedge shot. I mean, Fleetwood even, who was, you know, on fire, left it like 10 feet short of that pin. Right. So, I guess, you know, he earned it. I don't think he needed to hear it from us. But Brooks Kepka <laughs> is a deserving U.S. Open champion. It's crazy. He has, uh, he even said it himself, he's like, it sounds kind of weird. I have two majors and just one PGA Tour event for right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> What's going That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> he just shows up for majors. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a U.S. Open game, I It'd guess. It'd be actually pretty awesome if he, like, ended his career like with, like, four majors, <laughs> five wins. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. I can see it. You think he's going to do three in a row? He could. It's only been one guy who ever did it. You know who it is? Somebody three in a row? Yeah. Who? Willie Anderson <laughs> from, from the Scotland. 1800s? No. 1903, 04, and 05 did it. Only guy who's ever done it three in a row. He actually, that I should give Willie some credit. Really? He won in four U.S. Opens. I think he won even a little better, you know, Arguably better than Ben Hogan. I think he won like four in five years. Like, 
I know did. He won 03, 04, and 05 he for sure. Won an 01. And I think he won an 01, yeah. yeah. 04, here's an interesting fact, too. Cannonball golf tidbit. He won it at Glenview Golf Club. Which was golf Illinois. Designed, redesigned by... Really? David Esler. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Esler redid that for Esler redid it. it was an, and it was an original William Flynn design who did Shinnecock. So... Kind of an interesting wow. tidbit that connections, cannonball connections going galore. full circle here. I don't hear that little factoid being discussed on Golf, on channel. golf channel or Golf.com. Nope. You're welcome, people. Well done, sir. Hey, I did my research. Um, what else can we say? I mean, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say about Kepka is the U.S. Open now goes through Claude Harmon and Joey D. Joey, because Joey they sh- they oh is he like his a workout guy? He's the workout yeah. guy who so him and DJ yeah, obviously very well documented that they work out together. The Bash Brothers, but they have the same <laughs> workout coach. They have the same swing coach, and I think they might even have like the same physio too. Really? Yeah. So, so like they were ta- like the last they, three U.S. Opens, <laughs> right? Have gone through these guys, Claude Harmon and <laughs> so, Joey D. So if you need to, if you want to win a U.S. Open. You need to hire these guys. <laughs> <laughs> hire Claude Harmon as your swing coach. He's, he's probably pretty reasonable fees, I'd assume. But a lot of other guys play well, too, yes. but the one that stands above everybody. Tommy, Tommy Fleets. Tommy, My man, Tommy Fleets. Tommy, beautiful, flowing locks, oh, yeah. Fleetwood. He's uh, he's in the Flow Hall of Fame. Auto, oh, for sure. Auto. We'll put yeah, him in this week. He's on Flow Mount Rushmore <laughs> in terms amazing. of pro golf right now. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. But that was an amazing round. I mean, I think everybody watching was pulling for the 62. Or 61 or 60. Yeah, had... everybody except for Johnny Miller. <laughs> of course, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, he had a few chances that could have gone even lower. They said he was um, he was inside 15 feet the last three, three holes. Three yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he was. I mean... Everyone's going to point to 18. 18, yeah. But to be fair, again, he, yeah, he missed a couple. He missed the short one on 18. He had some close ones on 16, 17. But he made a 50-footer on right. number two, the 265-yard par three. He made, like, a 30-footer on 15. He made it from off the green right. on 14. Water finds its level. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was he was due to miss a couple, like, you know, not even gimmies. Those were right. just... He would make those on a regular day, but he had made everything already. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame Fleetwood's caddy for the miss on the last. It was hole. a bad read. Yeah, I mean they. I think the read. Was, oh, it wasn't a bad read. read. It just yeah. line and speed are two different. You know, two yeah, things. But sure. the mic picked up the uh, his caddy saying like, "Yeah, it's inside the hole, but you don't you don't have to jam it. Like I'm not. Right. I don't want you to hit it hard. Yeah. So he kind of like eased it up there and it peeled off. Yep. That's, you know, as I said, Johnny Miller smiling. He's still... I think Fleetwood can lay some claim now to the best U.S. Open round, though. I mean, he didn't win it, but he's he's, he's the only guy other than Johnny to shoot 63 on Sunday. Correct. That's This is only the second time it's been done. And they were in the exact same position. Right, They yeah. were both six back. Yep. Um, yeah, he... Um, Gave it, a, gave it a good run. And Fleetwood, uh, he was in the last group last year, too, and finished fourth. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. he was fourth, second. Yeah. Might be laying some money on him next year in the US Open. Right. And it was also a course record at Shinnecock. That was a course record? Course thing? record, yeah. Really? Before, I think it, by two. I think Ricky's at 65 earlier in the day was the tournament record. I don't know about course record, right. but Tommy Fleetwood was definitely the course record. Wow. Yeah, course record and the lowest Shinnecock U.S. Open record by two. Only, you know, Ricky was right. 65. Before that, it was 66, which Fleetwood also shot on Friday. Jesus. Yeah, he can go low. He's, <laughs> Fleetwood's Dude, got some game. He can he can play. I've, I've always wondered this. Um, this isn't taking anything away from Fleetwood or anyone who has shot 63 on a par 70, but do you think that matters? Like... Sit like Justin Thomas sixty three right. was on par seventy two. That's why. Like, they, does that like they would always I, I say under, like under, yeah the lowest score in relation to par right. at a U.S. Open is Justin Thomas at nine under, right? Where Fleetwood was seven under. I, I don't think it matters unless there is sixty three is a sixty three, and in every sixty three, 
there's always a break here or there or a putt here or there that could have turned it into a 62. But as we said, there's a putt that could have gone out on, you know, the second hole that would have derailed it, the 62 momentum and turned it into just a run of the mill 69. So I don't think it really matters unless you're Johnny Miller or like one of those (laughs) like old school gen guys who just just says that a 63 is a 63. 63 at Oakmont was the best ever and nothing will ever compare right. you know because of the equipment and because they're of blah 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 they're like, still saying it they just said it on golf channel the day like talking about fleetwood 63 yeah. and they ended the conversation with but the sabermetrics guys say that johnny miller 63 was was is better. is the best ball striking round of all time it's like <laughs> it was like 50 friggin years yeah, ago it was yeah. so long ago <laughs> like why are we metrics. why are we still talking about it right just give <laughs> like, the guys due. like you know an apple is good and so is a pear the most <laughs> talked the most talked about 63 of all time is johnny miller oh my god not even close i mean they don't even talk nicholas shot a 63 in the u.s open i mean there's five other guys who did it too which nicholas so fleetwood's putt on the last hole is what like seven feet six yeah, feet maybe eight feet something yeah. like that it was the second shortest putt ever for 62. Jack Nicholas. <laughs> That's a fucking stat right there. <laughs> Jack Nicholas had the shortest putt oh, in 1980. And guess how far it was? Two. Three feet. Oh, my God. He missed the three-footer. So, Jack Nicholas has missed a three-footer for 62. In a U.S. Open. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Miller is 60. In a U.S. Yeah. Open. Yeah, I think it was at Baltusrol. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It and was. Um, Johnny Miller, 63, has talked about more. Wow, but even that's and, Nic- and Nicholas has asked about it. And Nicholas I guess. even posted on social media last. I follow him on Instagram. He he's it's funny because I think he really runs his Instagram account. Which oh, is I'm hilarious. sure he does. Yeah, like you can just tell. Like this is a classic old grandma or grandpa. <laughs> like typing, you know, he sits there for an hour, probably typing on his computer, <laughs> doing these Instagram captions because they're always so long. Right. And uh, he said something about like. I'm sure Johnny Miller gave it a little blow of wind to knock it offline. Like <laughs> I, I would know sixty. There's just something about making that putt for sixty-two. I would know. Like right. I didn't realize when he said that he had missed an even shorter and, one. Yeah, and he 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 flat out admits that he choked. That's funny. Like yeah. Jack Nicholas choked for oh, sixty-two. Man. Well. <laughs> Hell of a round, Tommy Fleetwood, and I gotta, you know, it's not the it's don't not, don't yeah, don't feel bad that you missed that putt. Yeah, it's no, no big deal. No, I, I mean he still took oh, he took over a million dollars, Tom. I'm sure he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah and sure he's like 26. Fine. He'll win a major in the next couple of years, no doubt. But you know what's funny is we we're not gonna go into this too deep because it's next the next major. But still, nobody really gives credit to Brandon Grace for 62. Right. He had a 62 at the British Open last year, and everybody's just like, ah, fuck that. Like, Miller's better. Sabermetrics said so. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> like, Where was his 62 at? Yeah. Well, oh, well. Where but, was it at? Was it uh, last year? Last year, yeah. Where did they play Bur- it last year? Burkdale. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a good 62. I mean, that's it. Again, but oh, it was, was it like on per- Sunday? Saturday. It was like, Saturday, like conditions. early in the morning, yeah, right? Exactly. Per, I mean, I think Miller was on the on the common like whatever uh, channel Miller does. I think was calling it, and he's just like, I mean, this is ideal scoring conditions. This is Saturday morning. You're just out there like firing a pin. Easy pins. It's not my side. It's not my Sunday sixty three at Oakmont. That's for sure. <laughs> just like shut up. They're both good rounds. Like, oh but, man. Speaking of not good rounds though, or not good putting. Yeah. yeah exactly. Jeez. DJ. Ice cold with the putter on the weekends. So bad. He had 38 putts on Saturday. 38. With he, three three putts. Yeah. That's like that's like all two putts of one putt and three. That's like yeah. your weekend guy. Well, it, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> like, to put it in perspective how bad that is for a pro guy. And the U.S. Open is obviously a totally different animal. We'll give him, you know, call the adjustment two shots of putts on the u.s open as opposed to a regular tour track maybe three but last year on the pga tour you know how many putts per round the guy who was dead fucking last in the in the entire tour averaged per round per round Uh, wow 30 30 30 30 like if we ever have thirty putts, we're shooting like seventy. Yeah, we're playing great. Like that's a great round. Like getting up, you know, hitting ten greens, thirty putts, yep. maybe twenty nine. You fire Se- like seventy five, seventy three, seventy four. Like amazing round. They average the worst guy on tour. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but 
The worst guy on tour averaged 30. 30 putts. I think Wesley Bryan and Aaron Badley averaged like 26 or yeah. something. Yeah. So for DJ to have 38, again, we'll adjust it maybe two or three for the U.S. Open. That's crazy. But that's a solid four or five worse than probably the entire average for the field that week. It's just, it's like such, it's such a fucked up game. Because yeah. he, was he was on fire. Four under through two days, was making everything and just... Yeah. People one thought day, it was over. One day it just like you it's just gone. don't have it. It's gone. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. And he three putted two right away um, for double after right. missing the green. He just yeah he looked off right <laughs> after that. And again, the we'll get to this later. But the greens that he played on on Saturday were a little ridiculous, but slightly not as bad as he putted. Yeah, as Jeff mentioned, three three putts on the back nine on, on Sunday. Sunday. Kepka had one three putt all weekend, and it was on Saturday. Yeah, That's, so he had. Th- did he have any on the front nine uh, on Sunday? DJ? I don't know. I, I just looked. Even if he had zero, yeah. he had six six put. Or, sorry, well, six three putts in the last thirty six holes. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, at least let's call it at least six three putts in his final thirty six holes. Kepka one, one every six holes. Yeah, Kepka had one. Not good. Right there's your difference right there. I mean turn three of those three putts into two putts and you got dj winning by one right yeah i mean obviously as we've discussed a million different bounces i guess one way or the other would have changed the championship but i guess it was tied that was hard to ignore i guess his four shot lead going into the weekend is tied for the largest collapse largest loss in u.s open history right but he wasn't as bad as some other big names that didn't even see the weekend yikes murderer's row right here <laughs> we got we got Go tiger rory jordan spieth jason day sergio rombo bubba and adam scott among a lot of other guys who are not as much of a household names but playing solid it didn't make spieth was trying to like charge to make the cut <laughs> and he went bogey bogey to finish yeah it was it was, was like, hard to watch it was like 12 over and then he made like three birdies in a row yeah. to get it to nine it's like what is going on here <laughs> that was that was tough for some of those guys who's the most of those guys who were you the most disappointed to see not even playing the weekend um I'm surprised, not surprised by speed. I would say like Rory or Day. Yeah, Rory was the one I was thinking, but because um, they're, I mean, both Rory and Day play well. Yeah, um, I, I think it's. I, I think I, I initially had circled Rory too, but it's got to be Day because you know Rory's not Day. A great, le- Day leads the tour in putting. Putting, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Rory's you not, know has good putting days, right. obviously, but he's not a known for his putting. Not even known for his wedges. Right. Jason Day is clever, or with his short game, right. very crafty. Yeah, that and is, is the best putter on tour. I think that's his third missed cut in a row. In the U.S. Open. In the U.S. Open. Okay, well. Which is even more shocking. There's something weird there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he missed it by a mile last year, I remember. You know what I heard? And he missed the year before that, too. I heard somebody say uh, on the telecast that um, faders, faders do really well at the U.S. Open. He does like to hit that draw. So does Rory. Rory and Day are both big draw players. Um, That's very true. Sergio can work it both ways with Probably the best. It's of shocking, all time. like yeah, he's not a good putter, but he's not a good putter. He should, but he should be around. Yeah, uh, but yeah, day. I didn't think about that till now. But I, you know, Jack Nicholas is obviously one of the most famous. You know, took the left side of the course completely out of play for thirty years. Right, won four U.S. Opens. Yep. Um, Tiger in his prime hit yep. primarily a fade. Yep, DJ fade fade Kepka uh, fade. fade. So yeah. Yep. Rory and Day are definitely two big high draw guys, and maybe that's just not the right shot shape. Not not that they can't hit fades, I'm sure they can, but that's not their preferred shot. I guess I'm surprised Tiger missed two. Yeah, because of the way he missed, like two holes got him for two. Like number one and number ten. Like how can you not? He was flying greens by like twenty yards. Yeah, like what is happening? It's it's crazy, man. And you know it. Again, Paul Paul Azinger one he had a lot of a lot of reasons for why Tiger's not playing great. He's he's a run of the mill short game guy now, which is Yeah, he's middle of the pack. Middle of the pack with a short game when for a while he was the best in the world. I mean no, he was the best in the world for a, a generation. True. Best short game, best bunker player, definitely the best putter. 
and now he's kind of run of the mill. He either you expect, uh, yeah, I think he said, I expect him to make it more than I expect him to get up and down, which kind of goes to like Tiger's whole mindset. I think right. now he's, I think there's, I'm not gonna armchair diagnose, <laughs> psychoanalyze Tiger, but I think there is like a a a competition in him to keep up with the young kids in terms of distance. Yeah and uh flash and he's not dialing it back when he needs to to just you know hit the 75 percent shot that's the smart shot yeah he was like yeah i mean he yeah and he can get away with driving it long at shinnecock right because it was fairly wide but usually his driver's the bugaboo yeah um but it was just weird watching him fly greens like yeah and when you know the miss is short Exactly. On most holes. It was regardless. the first hole of the tournament, right? Yeah. Flew it like 25 yards over. It was like staring it down. Yeah. Flew it 20 yards over the like green. Like not even close. Yeah. Like that's what shocked. Like his iron game's on point. Right. So I thought he would ball, at least ball strike his way around and didn't even come close. Yeah. Making huge numbers. Something was off on the yacht this week. <laughs> Got a bad. Got a little seasick. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little seasick and wobbly. Can we lost his bearings? His land legs weren't quite as steady as he thought they were when he got out there. He'll be great on an all-island course, though. <laughs> yeah. He's waiting for the Bahamas again next year. That's when he's going to come back. Ugh. All right. Are we going to get into it? Let's go. The That's huge the elephant. Yeah. The huge elephant in the room. We got to talk about the players as what it should be all about. Right. What Congrats it- to Kepka. <laughs> Way to go, Fleetwood. DJ, nobody's worried about your game. The other guys. But. Next up, uh, the USGA. The player that should not be talked about. Right. The one fucking person and body we end up talking about every fucking year with the US Open is Mike Davis, CEO of the USGA. This is now, we talked about this before on air. This is now five years in a row they've gotten it wrong. Yeah. Mostly course setup and some the Oakmont DJ penalty. We might penalize to you. To be we might or not, not to fucking penalize. Like, yeah. Right. Like, Stupid. So, yeah. I mean, we had... So what happened? We got... Let's just break it down. Thursday, they are so fucking proud that the field was a combined like 1,000 over par. You know, and that's fine. Everybody likes to see a little bit of a struggle on the first day of US Open, but it was fair. Yeah. Friday, yeah, go ahead. Friday, they make it a little more gettable. You saw some low scores, including out of Kepka and Fleetwood. Right. Um, you know, the two guys playing the best. But at, again... Saturday was a shit show. Saturday was a fucking shit show. <laughs> Moving day turned into just massacre day. And even, like, before they got to Saturday, like, guys were kind of... Gr- not to the press, but I saw, like, fans posting stuff. Right. And they're like, you know, DeChambeau called it know circus golf it's on friday yeah on friday it was getting kind of loopy getting baked already starting to turn brown so it's just it's just it's unfortunate that we're at this iconic place shinnecock one of the best courses in the world one of the just most beautiful greatest designs i mean uh gil hans is a you know great architect one of the best architects in the world right now and uh i think on the sunday morning telecast he's like it's a shame we're talking about the USGA again because this is a doctorate level exam in golf course architecture. Like this is, you know, one of the iconic courses there right. is. And here we are. And now it's forever. 2018 Shinnecock yeah. will always be remembered for Saturday. Right. Specifically the pin placements on 13 and 15. 13 and 15. Yeah. And, you know, in 2004 Four. it's always gonna at Shinnecock is always gonna be remembered for the seventh hole right and that's a good point too and that's where I'm I'm like so frustrated because watching all the lead up on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday like the that's seventh hole the seventh hole the seventh hole and like you guys lost control last time and they're interviewing like the head's groundskeeper and like all the technology that they have yeah, and yeah. flat out asking them like is 2004 ever going to happen again? They're like, absolutely not. Like, we have way too much information and too yeah. much te- technology. It will never happen again. But they just... And, two, and three days later, on yeah. Saturday, it happened again. They get it in their heads. They're like, ha, 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 ha. Let's put this pin 
just another step closer to that fucking edge that's rolling like a 15 on the snip meter. Right. That ball's going to go 50 yards off the green. Exactly. So Unless you hit a perfect shot. Right. And, that's, and, and that's, it shouldn't be... That's I think what he said. He's like, great, sh- a good shot shouldn't be penalized. Correct. Great shot should be rewarded, but good shots shouldn't be penalized. Correct. And that's what, like... That's what was happening, you know. A, a, Good shot, a, it's got penalized. Yeah, you had to hit a perfect. You perfect, had to hit a. Perfect it wasn't even shot. great. It was perfect. Yeah, you had to hit perfect shots. Right. So it got silly again. What what pissed me off was they said again in that fucking interview, like Saturday night they came in to just do uh, damage control, damage control with Joe Buck and Paul Azinger and. Uh, Mike Davis and the other guy who's sitting oh my there. God, the fucking like he looked like if you're if any Game of Thrones fans are out there, he looked like uh, Sir <laughs> Illyn Payne, the executioner. He just sat there like stone faced the whole time, which is like the course was set up how it was set up, and that's the way it goes. Like you know, they have no remorse. I mean, Mike Davis no. was a little more politically correct about it, but they came on to just basically say like. Oh, we got caught off guard by some wind and some heat again. It's right. like it's fucking June in the Hamptons, <laughs> man. And like this happened to you 15 years ago. The last time I was here, like it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be windy. Right. Like, meteorologists could have told you that. Like, don't put it right on the edge of a green that's already kind of bonkers. Yeah, I think it was like Duval, and I think like even Faxon too. Um, so don't quote me on that. But like a couple of former players that are now analysts were like, you cannot set it up with no margin for error. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like exactly you, you, like you you need some sort of buffer for something that the wind. you might the not heat. see yeah. come. Exactly. Um so that was interesting. David Fay, former commissioner, made an awesome point. He said that and I think <laughs> he's I know like, what you're going yeah. He's like I was trained he's like when we when we used to set up courses and like U.S. Opens have always been hard, and you sure. can go back sound bites for decades. Like it's hard, yeah, but not to the point where like it's it's the, whole, it's the only story, yeah. And he said that they would follow the last group, yeah, that and was they cool. w- and they would work with those conditions to set the pins for the next day. They wouldn't go out first thing in the morning, which, which Mike is, Davis, like they showed yeah. it Sunday morning, Mike Davis rolling putts, like. It's six in the morning, dude. Yeah. Like it's this dewy, thing's gonna end. It's cold. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna end twelve hours later. Like right. what you're testing right now is not what's gonna happen in twelve hours. Yeah, that was a great point. There, the uh, I don't remember the name, but yeah, it was uh, the old USGA correct director who was responsible for you know setups for right. forty years. Right, would follow the yep. final group, and you know with his because putter, those are the conditions you're going to get that are most important. Right, yeah, it's the Sunday the Sunday morning setting it. Best intentions aside, it's not the same course. I mean, Berger and Finau played a different course, and yeah. it's just which which yeah, something like you it, can't argue. It, it happened. Yeah, it, yeah happens. it happens. Fleetwood to but, some degree played a different course, but that happens because. Of Mother Nature, like I think of, yeah, the USGA was caught off guard by Mother Nature, whatever. Like the British Open, that's classic. Like you, you get the bad draw sometimes. Um, this wasn't a bad draw. No, this is a bad decision. Bad decisions by human beings. Yeah, <laughs> and just like with a little too much like ego in mind, I think. I, I think it always comes back to just like. A there will be blood fucking mentality that the USGA has where they push those pins a little too close. They mow those greens a little too low. They water them a little too, you know, yeah. not quite enough because they always favor in turn. They always favor towards punishment rather right. than like excitement and, you know, glory chances from these guys who are the best players in the world. Right. To some degree, you don't want to watch them struggle make fucking bogeys like all the way i, I want to see guys be tested and with Absolutely. that they're gonna struggle and it's like oh like that, that sucks for them that they're yeah. struggling but like that's the golf like that's golf like people struggle but not not when everybody's struggling saturday afternoon was like, just it was like brutal to cutting watch. between like all right here's ian poulter missing an eight footer for bogey <laughs> and here's dustin johnson three putting from 10 feet and here's Daniel Berger, or no, not Daniel, but you know, just cutting back and forth and back and forth between putts for bogey, putts for double, putts rolling off right. greens, 
That is bad like, fucking television. Like, I get, yeah, and I get, bad tournament setup. Right. Like I get like par par is premium in the U.S. Open. I like I get that. Sure. You don't want to target score or whatever, but like playing a whole like par is premium. Yeah. But when the variation is triple and quads, yeah. You know, like that's it's that's a little silly. too much. Yeah. Well, one per we can say I think we've officially said enough about it. One person who definitely had enough of the setup on Saturday. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. We got to weigh in, you know, relatively quickly is old lefty Filber. Phil Mickelson acting like let's just call it what it is. He was acting like a like a ten or younger kid who just learned the game out there on his birthday, running after his putt on thirteen and slapping it back toward the hole. It was kinda like I know people are shocked about it. Yeah. Um It's kinda like funny too. Yeah, it for sure was. It I I think I mean, there's getting, there's two ways to take it. Absolutely. I think I'm getting a little tired of like uh, somebody on Twitter called it the pearl clutching, you know, Hampton crowd. This is bad for the like integrity of the game. Like I can't believe my children had to watch that. Right. Like get over it. You know, yeah, that's a little too dude. Much. And and like if it was anybody other than Phil Mickelson, they wouldn't have even shown it on TV, and it would have been you know mm. nobody would have cared. John Daly Pinehurst, 1999. Right, he did it. <laughs> Look it up. That's like his. That's I think that's. This isn't the first time this has happened. No, not at all. And John Daly wasn't the first either. It's happened. <laughs> yeah. So he definitely lost his cool, and I think. He, you know, retroactively tried to rationalize that it was a strategy play. I don't think anybody's buying that. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounded like because he said like I've been thinking about doing this for a long time, and right. maybe he maybe. had, maybe yeah, he had, maybe. but if that's the case, then it's intent, and yeah, which exactly. gets into a whole different conversation, <laughs> right? So, but also he wouldn't have been thinking about that if he wasn't twenty shots out of the lead and playing like shit. Like I, there is a smidge of me that like, kind of gives him the benefit of the doubt that he just like snap reacted like yeah like, said, for, like, like he's so far mind. out of it yeah. and like I don't want to watch this ball roll eighty feet and now to like it's down the fairway or down the bunker and now yeah. I've hit a bunker shot and I got like <laughs> screw it like yeah. I'm just gonna bump it back and like let's get out of here exactly and so <laughs> pace the- of play man. Yeah. <laughs> How to speed? How do you speed up the game when yeah. your when your ball's rolling around on a circus course? You right. you hit you it back at the hole. Yeah, and he was kind of saying like, "Hey, if I make that and it goes in for a six, and then I take my two stroke penalty, that's probably what I would have made out of the bunker." So you know, fair enough, exactly. Phil. I think yeah, it's it's a. I think why people are getting so upset about it is it's you know a competitive advantage versus like a behavioral issue right. where right. should he be penalized for the behavior of it i think right. the competitive advantage he was penalized it's two strokes right again if he would have made it that would have been the same probably that'd have been awesome if it, and, been yeah, awesome if he made, made it. it for six <laughs> or five or whatever but yeah i mean it's it's kind of like if uh you know the world cup's going on right now if somebody like say there's a foul and uh messy you know, gets frustrated and slams the ball and then like punts it into the stands. So, you know, they'd get a yellow card right, or whatever. Right. I think that's really what it came down to. It was like, yeah. this was not a disqualification warranting offense. Maybe if he was, you know, in the final group on Sunday or something. If it was in cont- if he was yeah. in contention, it would have been a totally, totally different, different story. But yeah, it's it's a frustrated guy who's way out of the tournament, showing frustration and being penalized appropriately. I think people blowing it out of proportion a little bit with my kids are watching. How are you setting an example of sportsmanship and etiquette and blah? Like, get over it. But he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, he knows yeah. he's being watched. Exactly. He does. And that, I think that gets into, like, we don't want to, you know, go down all the tour confidential roads of Phil Mickelson rumors. But I think we can all say if you're in the golf world, you know. He's portrayed one way, and I think people in the know know there's right. there's a seedier yeah. side of Phil. Right. Um, so it is what it is. Like he lost his temper, and he like he, hit he lashed out. He lashed out <laughs> like a lot of people have done in U.S. Opens before, and he was penalized, and that should have been it. It's it's his birthday, and he'll cry if he wants to. <laughs> exactly, and he fucking <laughs> he laughed. No one's talking about. I thought this was funny. No one's talking about the shot the putty hit on fourteen is. He was playing with beef, um, and uh, he had a putt on 14. I was I got a video of it from my brother, so I didn't watch it live. They were talking about it, and 
I think it was like a 15 footer and he hit the ball like 40 feet past the hole <laughs> up up like fucking you know circus putt putt Shinnecock slope to try and get it to come back like the back door like fucking happy Gilmore and him and beef were just cracking up like laughing their heads off as it like went by like, and like boomerang back around yeah I think he two putted it but yeah I mean it was a 15 footer that he like lined up like it was an Augusta you know right. had to putt it like 40 feet the other way <laughs> and just like cracking up as he did it it was so there was a interesting question at, so obviously Mike Davis was asked about this too. Um, they because the reporters were all over him, like he should, you know they were, it sounded like they were taking the stance of like, and a lot of the analysts too, former players, are like that's bush league, like yeah. the guy shouldn't be playing on Sunday. Right. So Mike Davis is fielding questions like, hey, you know why does it not fall under disqualification rules? And he, he like if you heard it, it's the you know well. There's another rule, and you have to enforce that rule. And there's right. clearly a, a rule for hitting a moving ball. Yeah, yeah. But that's also not the spirit of the rule. Sure. But, yeah, like, like not they're, at all. They're gonna adjust that rule, I think, probably. Right. And the, the reporter asked an awesome follow-up question. They're like, "Well, what does a disqualification look like then? If he's if he's hitting a moving ball, like, okay, fine. Like, what's egregious?" And Mike Davis goes, "Well, if he like." stopped it yeah or if he just or if he just whacked it in like no random direction didn't try and make it yeah like didn't try and make it like he made a conscious stroke at the hole so that's why and i'm like wait a minute john daly and i pulled out the freaking video john daly like (laughs) whacks it down the like yeah he like smacks it like yeah you know spectators yeah like classic (laughs) upside down bowl like at pinehurst and he like puts it up the hill and it comes back at him and he just like hauls off with one hand and just like wax it just yeah. wax it As like it's across the green down the fairway in a bunker like <laughs> and i'm like so but he didn't he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get dq'd yeah. for that no. so i'm like all right like classic like we're just gonna say what we want to say and you know again i'll go back to like the usga like getting getting off a little bit on their kind of being the judge jury and executioner in these situations like the way they talked about how the ruling was made is like we we mobilized our task force (laughs) and like assembled a crack team of you know videographers and intent experts and you know scientists to determine that it was actually rule 14-1 and not 33-whatever and it's like get this isn't a fucking desert storm operation (laughs) Like, everybody knows it's a two-stroke penalty. I could have told you, like, just by guessing. Like, I don't know. Like, he finishes the hole, and I guess that's probably, like, a two-stroke penalty after the hole. And how, and how, what he does, how is that not egregious? Like, he ran after (laughs) his fucking ball. That's, like, the first time (laughs) I've ever seen Phil run. (laughs) He can't jump, and he can't run. Yeah. But he he literally broke stride going out. How is that not egregious? You have to He chased his ball down. They're, again, like getting into like some tour confidential, you know, Twitter sphere bullshit. Who knows what's true? But there, there was like a quote that like the standard bearer in their group quoted Phil as saying after the whole like a USGA oh, no. official came up to him was like, hey, that's going to be a two stroke penalty. And Phil goes, I don't know what the fuck I made or something <laughs> like that. He's like, I don't really care what I made. Just like, let me know. Count it up and put two strokes on it. Don't it's something like. I don't know what the fuck I made. You know, I just I just wanted to slap it back in the hole. <laughs> just like, okay. Just wanted to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. And again, I, you know, it's funny that it happened on 13 too because I, I want, it didn't get overshadowed at all. Everyone's still talking about it. But the fact that it happened on 13, I think gives a little bit of credibility in terms of like, Right. Phil's longtime legacy right. is that it happened on, on one of 13. these on one of these holes that was deemed ridiculous by right. every analyst two hours later, and e- and even like the players too. There's oh yeah, there's I mean, some the phenomenal tweets. Yeah, so Hatton tweeted, it's like yeah, like talking about his round. He's like uh, two over today, shot even par in the back. I'm buzzing with that. He goes, and the, he posted this at like two o'clock. A.M.? No, like oh, P.M. Yeah. Like okay. So he finished like midday. Early. So, so he knew what was coming. Yeah. And he goes, going to be absolute carnage for the leaders on the back nine. Some shocking pids considering the conditions. 13 and 15. And then the big emoji with his... Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I think we can take that right into uh, you know our next topic being Fox Sports coverage. Yeah. Of the US Before Open. we move into that, there was a couple couple other notes I had. All right. Um, <laughs> William McGirt had a great one. He's like, Mike Davis in the USGA could ruin Christmas. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's good. And the last thing I want to say about this is, and I wrote this down, and this is like bringing in other sports. It's it's very, you don't want refs or umpires determining the outcome of a game. Sure. Especially in championships. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, that's always, that's always like a common theme in sports. Yep. If you think of USGA and that fact. Yeah. They're they're inserting themselves way too much. Right. Yeah. Like they're they're the bad they're the refs making bad calls. Yeah. Exactly. They're they are like like we said last week, just set up the course in a fair manner mm-hmm. that's not gonna be a topic of conversation and just let them go play. Yeah. And if eight under wins, eight under wins. Yeah. And if two over wins, two over wins. And if fourteen like who Doesn't gives a matter. shit? And not the that rough was hard enough. Those greens are tough enough. It wasn't going to be 10 under if they put those pins in, you know, two yards the other way. Right. It's still going to be, you know, hard. E- even par, maybe a couple under. It was still going to be really tough. And I think that's just where they, they you know, have their... E- it's I, I don't know if a, an organization can have an ego, but that's what it feels like. Well, they're a living, breathing thing because <laughs> right. they keep inserting themselves like they're a goddamn player in the tournament. Yeah, like, they wish they were. They're not. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, what's well, the... Yeah. Way to go, USGA. <laughs> Another great championship in the books where all we're talking about is how you fucked it up. <laughs> what about Fox? Fox, man. Let's yeah, speaking of speaking of fucking shit up. <laughs> it's just, the, I mean, classic USGA. Like, yeah. let's make a deal with an organization that doesn't cover doesn't golf belong. all year doesn't long. Doesn't belong. Yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what? I finally thought of. We were talking about the the microphones and the in the holes last week, and that that's that's great and good and well it is. And all the shot tracers, we're pretty sure they invented that. And I also like where they. I really like this that they put like a little indicator where the flag is yep. and the yardage over I it. I saw that. Like yeah. I love that. So all of that goes to show. You know what I think it it reminded me of? It's a video game. They want to appeal to like mainstream audiences Which who is play why Tiger you, Woods golf. Yeah. You know that's what it looked like to me, and that's what uh, the microphone in the cup is. What really like made the light bulb in my head go off. I mean, shot tracers everywhere right but the yardages over the pins love that love it is just like a video game the the sound effect when the ball goes in the hole is a video game i mean they the way they showed that over the top line on how putts would break video game right they are just appealing to you know whatever fucking football (laughs) robot loving crowd they think is maybe tuning in to golf for the first time ever and i'm not saying it's all bad I really, I, li- I like some I, of that. I really am not saying it's bad. I love the shot tracer. I like right. that you know thing over the yards. It just kind of struck me as this looks like we're watching a you know Tommy Fleetwood virtual reality compete in yeah. a, you know with Tiger Woods controls. Yeah, it's hard unless you're like an avid golfer. Like it's hard to watch golf on TV. Sure, I, because yeah, like I if you like a lot of people are like how like. Where are they going? Like, where are they hitting it? Yep. And like, where's the green? And like, yep. at least it brings like some context to what they're trying to I do. I totally agree. I, I don't think I don't think it's bad that they're doing that. It just kind of struck me finally is this is what they're trying to do. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, they are trying to make it throw as much tech at it as you can. Exactly, make golf sexy, make yep. it appealing to you know kids who are just only know golf through whatever playstation right. and xbox they had some audio issues on saturday <laughs> oh on saturday there was legit no audio Dude, and it was we're just watching it on silent really? <laughs> just down the corner it said I... audio difficulties in a box and you're just like watching silent golf <laughs> not to mention the audio they picked up from the crowd microphones are we gonna oh go my, there? so but that's so many yeah uh, well the one that like keeps getting talked about is some two two bros standing in the grandstands or uh, you know off in the gallery somewhere talking about 
you know, smashing their ex-girlfriend. No oh, way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's and a all, mic picked it up? Oh, yeah. It's all over Twitter. It's when Patrick Reed was playing on Saturday. Two, you know, just very broy sounding dudes talking about... Was it on 15? Because 15 always uh, had a lot of chatter. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I think it was on the front night, I want to say. I want to okay. say like four. Anyway. Um, but yeah, they, they picked up some very not safe for work audio of two <laughs> frat boys talking about their latest sorority exploits. And that was uh, another black eye on Fox Fox's uh, programming credit card or report <laughs> card. They're pretty conservative. Fox is pretty conservative. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's that was a very uh, very shocking shocking moment. For I their, love their I managers. Lo- yeah, I love the microphones and the cup. Not for the sound of the ball going in the cup, the which guy. which sounded horrible, by the way. Yeah. Like they like when. I think it's because like when we play on our public tracks, they're metal cups, so it's like a fuller sounding like right. thing. Yep. They're, it sounds like they're playing with like the daintiest yeah. like plastic cup. Again, yeah, it just sounds fake. It doesn't. It's like it shouldn't sound it like sounds that. Horrible. <laughs> sound, again, I think it's a dude in the corner just pressing a button that they got offline. Which that happened. They would like come back. There were a couple times they came back from commercial, and like they come back on, and all of a sudden you hear like. A, a, a cup rattle while like someone's hitting a tee shot. <laughs> like, oh shit! Like, what just happened there? <laughs> Hit the wrong button, Jim. <laughs> How dare you? It was too funny. Yeah, but uh, I Joe Buck, Ugh. he is. I, I, I he was, knows. I, I'm I'm guessing he knows nothing about golf. I, again, I, I said it last week. He's a very capable sports broadcaster. Right. I'm sure he prepares as best he can. I. I I've read interviews where he's been playing for a long time or whatever, or knows knows a lot more than people give him credit for, but he doesn't sound like he knows a lot about no. golf. That's for sure. No. And I just got so annoyed with he is constantly trying to push like a controversial story yeah. angle. Yeah. And it's just for ratings and for fucking social media. Yeah. And it is so annoying how often he would go back to Phil and really getting giddy when he felt there was a story brewing about the course getting over the edge. It was just annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, likes I, controversy. I think even Curtis Strange called him out on it, and multiple other guys were just like, "Give it a rest. Give it a rest." <laughs> yeah, like this. It, Phil is not going to get DQ'd. That is not it's what over. we're going to like watch on Sunday <laughs> let's, afternoon. Let's move on. Get over it. We're not talking about Zach Johnson's Sky Sports interview where he said they lost the course and. Joe Buck thinks it's the fucking world changing. Because he kept asking that question like the rest of the day, right? All like, fucking did they, day. Didn't they, didn't they lose the course? All day. All day long. I mean, Sunday he gave it a rest a little bit, but Saturday he'd be like, and breaking news, Curtis Strange was just taking a piss in the clubhouse and one of the caddies said, man, that place is burnout. And so we're going to follow that story now. Anyways... Here's Patrick Reed. Yeah. Anyways, Patrick Reed, and we got we got two dudes from the fucking gallery commentating on their smash exploits. That's the other thing that happened on Sunday with Joe Buck was like they were they obviously like pivoted from live golf to like reviewing what had happened so far. Yeah. In book. Buck would kept transitioning like it was live, and like he'd be like, and and now here's here's uh, Dustin Johnson on four. <laughs> it was like that's yesterday, yeah. <laughs> and, and like he never like picked up on it. <laughs> oh my god, man, up. he's making it around this course fast. Dustin Johnson on four, now on seven. What the hell? Did he skip five and six? What's happening, Jimmy? So Holy funny. shit! Dude. They, they so just funny. Dustin Johnson just allowed to drop on the green on this hole. Didn't even make him hit his tee shot. That's that's impressive. Oh, it's it got to be a rule in there somewhere. He's DQ'd. It was it was funny. Did he bring up? Uh, he did bring up uh, Kepka a lot on Sunday too, right? Yeah, his, he had that sound bite on Saturday. Yeah, nobody's more confident than me. Right. Again, I, I think it's yeah, you know Kepka ended up winning. I don't think he. Those guys at majors, especially, sit there if they're in the lead or near the lead. They have to sit there for an hour and listen to questions from four hundred people. Right. They probably stop paying attention. They're not. I don't think these are as planned of sound bites as they make them seem. By the time Sunday afternoon rolls around and Kepka's in the lead, right. So that again, I think it's just Joe Buck looking for bulletin board 
you know, social media hashtag material <laughs> that just got so annoying. It was like, we get it. Kepka's confident. He's the defending U.S. Open champion. That's probably what he was asking, like, responding. Somebody was like, you know how to win a U.S. Open. You did it last year. And Kepka said, yeah, and I'm pretty confident that, you know, nobody's more confident than me in how to win a U.S. Open in the last year because I fucking am the only one who can do that. And, Joe and, Buck's you, like, and you have to take it from Brooks me. Brooks Kepka said he has the biggest dick in New York. I heard it, and it is a fact, and now we are seeing it happen live. That is a story you heard here first. I think maybe because, like, golf's so, such a long day, and Buck's there all day, and he's not used to that. Yeah, you know, right. It's used to, like, maybe four-hour baseball game yeah. or a two-and-a-half-hour two football, football game yeah. that he's just, like, entertaining himself. Yeah. Like, I, I'm bored. I could definitely <laughs> gonna, see that. I'm going to stir the pot. At one point, he was, like, holding up, like, New York Daily News headlines about <laughs> Phil Mickelson. And it was Sunday. He's like, look at this. Our friends are the New York oh Daily God. News. They they got some clever headlines here about what Phil did. And you're just like, okay, we get it, dude. You were literally just holding up a newspaper in front of the camera. You should be better than that. Oh, man. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, I love Paul Azinger. He's great. Paul Azinger is one of the best golf commentators yeah. there is. I don't think he's the most knowledgeable. He's not the most smooth. But man, he is funny. Yeah. I laugh my head off multiple times. Just weird stuff he says. <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's, I shouldn't say he's not the most knowledgeable. He is very knowledgeable yeah. and very insightful. But he's, I wouldn't give him, you know, he's not a six time major winner like Faldo. Right, right. He doesn't have the greatest round ever like Johnny Miller. Right. Even some of those other guys, you know, um, Who's the guy? Peter Costas is, yep. a, you know, a swing guru. Right. Azinger is just kind of a hot takes. You know, he's won a major, great player, rider. He's not, as, he's not afraid to say anything. Exactly. He'll, he will say anything. And I think, like, the kind of the southern drawl he's got and just his some of his weird idiotisms or idism, whatever it is. Idioms. Idioms, thank you. It cracked me up. There was one time, I'm going to go through a few of my favorites. I think these were all on... <laughs> One was on Saturday. It was when Phil and Beef were playing together. And all of a sudden, he just said, the camera was like close on Beef's face. And Paul Azinger said, This is funny. He goes, Oh, man, that's a beard right there that not a cat in the world could lick off. What? Like, what? Like, didn't like, didn't Curtis Strange somebody, like ask him like, what? What do you mean by that? Somebody said, I've, he, I think it was Buck. Actually, I'll give him some credit. This was pretty funny. He goes, I don't think I've ever seen our program director Jimmy oh, Lapena yeah. laugh harder than I saw him when you just said that. <laughs> Can you explain what that means? He goes, you know, cats just have rough tongues and. When they, they get up and stuff. when they get up and they lick your face, it feels like it's gonna rip your beard right off. And <laughs> let me tell you, Beef's beard is there to stay. Like no cat in the world can lick that off. It's like, what? oh my god, what the f- what are you talking about, dude? And then so my second favorite one. Oh, okay, my second favorite one was when on Sunday morning they played uh, you know video from the uh, U.S. Air Force Base that's out near the, yeah. the course that did a flyover. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and Paul Azinger <laughs> and Joe Buck's like, great stuff there. Guys, serving, yeah. serving America. And Azinger goes, oh, man, that just gave me chill bumps down my arms. <laughs> you mean goosebumps, Paul? <laughs> goosebumps, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if he just, like, messed, like, it gave me chills and, you know, right. I, you can do that, yeah. like, combine those two. Or if Paul Azinger just calls him chill bumps. <laughs> and, like, Dude, his, just, yeah, does his he... arms are his hand sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm snorting. Yeah, that one was good. <laughs> but, but I swear, you... <laughs> Yeah, one more. So I think Tony Fino was walking out on Sunday with like a big Beats headphone set. And he goes, man, those guys, they, they come out on the range now and they got all sorts of, you know, their sports psychologists hook them up with the just brain waves that play through their audio sets and just brain waves. Like Tony Fino is just out on the range listening to like random clicks and like... 
like set his brain waves, like right? Noise. Yeah, that's that's Paul's Paul Azinger's theory is that they're all out there listening to brainwave, you know, manipulation that they're set up by sports psychologists. Well, really, Tony Fina is probably just listening like, to fucking Arctic monkeys, right? Or right. Yeah. Sport, yeah. Sports psychologists are not uh, directing the playlist in their earbuds. <laughs> it was like he thought they were all like set up by hypnotherapists oh, or something. <laughs> no, they probably have like Spotify. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they have their favorite pl- playlist. Those were my, so with uh, a little rhythm, like actual music. <laughs> yeah, it was, those are my favorite uh, favorite Paul Azinger quotes of the weekend. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, he was on fire. He's he's a he's a great guy, uh. great American treasure. <laughs> I think he should be on every golf broadcast from now on. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. We only get him like yeah, once a year. Really? Yeah, exactly. That's all he gets. He saves up his good stuff. <laughs> chill, chill bumps. <laughs> the rest of the year he's down in wherever Carolina letting cats lick his face. Oh my gosh. All right. That's going to wrap up 2018. You know, it's open. Yeah. We got all it's the forward to. It's in the books. Yeah. Next one's coming up. Or uh, looks like the uh, we said the experiment is officially over. Yes. I think. Yeah, last year was Aaron Hills, um, yeah. Chambers Bay, a couple years. Before Chambers that. Bay, which got roasted. Yeah, um, they effed up Oakmont, like we said before. With DJ in the year before that, 2014 was Pinehurst. That was completely like it looked great. Totally, baked. totally baked out. Yeah. Um, so, so we got. They're over five. I think I don't think there was anything wrong with Marion in 2013 when no, Justin Rose when Justin won. Rose won. I don't remember anything there. Right. We're going to in order. We're going Pebble next, next year's year. Pebble. Yep, Wingfoot back to Tory Pines for the first time since 08. Are they trying to get Tiger to win? <laughs> right. Jesus. Yeah, Pebble and Tory. Yeah. <laughs> then we got oh the Country Club at Brookline hasn't uh-huh. been there in a while. L.A. Country Club getting its first U.S. Open. Pinehurst again. Oakmont again. Shinnecock again. Then Pebble again. So nothing but classics. I guess the most recent one in there is Torrey Pines, and that's at least like 60 or 70 years old. All the other ones are golden age, you know, American courses. So which one are you most excited about in that list? Uh Shinny 2026. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's well, going to be the drama there? Um, oh, man. I, I like, I think Pinehurst, I'm actually really most yeah. excited uh, off of that list. Probably because, like, we see Pebble every year. Yep. Um, I mean, Wingfoot will be good. Toriel, we see every year. Don't know much about the country club. Or yeah, LA I'm kind of excited club. for that one. I, I, uh, there hasn't been a U.S. Open there since 88. The, Brookline? the Ryder Cup. Yeah, Country Club of Brookline. Brookline's uh, Justin Leonard. Justin Leonard's putt in the Ryder Cup in 99. Um, also, famously, 1913 U.S. Open won by Francis Wimet, the, oh, wow. the 20-year-old who beat beat down Harry Varden and Ted Ray <laughs> to be Take the that. first amateur. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. right. First he amateur. He was like the local won. kid, right? Yeah, exactly. It's... <laughs> So that's what Shia LaBeouf in the Disney movie wants you to think, that he was just like a local street sweeper. But I did, I was looking at this today. He was actually like a uh, uh, Massachusetts amateur champion. Yeah, like he was very good. Bu- you know, successful businessman. He did have a 10-year-old caddy, though. Okay. He had, a, he had like the shoeshine boy as his caddy. <laughs> And um, so kind of like Bobby Jonesy ish, yeah. He actually lost to Bobby Jones a little later, and like he's before Bobby Jones. They kind of give him credit as the birth of amateur golf being taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. He he won a couple U.S. amateurs. By the time Bobby Jones came around, like the late twenties, thirties, he was kind of declining in his game and going more into like his business. Okay, he ended up running a sporting goods company, I think, but. Um, yeah, 1913 beat Harry Varden and Ted Ray in an 18-hole playoff. You know, I don't know if it was on a Monday or whatever, but they went 72 holes. They were all tied at plus 12. So okay. take that, USGA. And then on you know whatever the 18-hole qualifier, he he waxed them. Shot one under to four over from Harry Varden and five over from Ted Ray. Wow. Widely considered to be like the best professionals in the world at the time. So. Huh. 
Yeah, he was an a- first amateur to ever win it. Bobby Jones obviously famously won right. four as an amateur, mm-hmm. but nobody since the 30s I don't think has won. Or, <laughs> so, yep, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Because I, I, I don't remember really the 99 Ryder Cup. I mean, you see the highlights of you know Justin Leonard's putt, but I, remember I was that. you know I was You're nine little. years old. Yeah, so. Yeah, Brookline will be cool. Yeah, and then LA Country Club after that will be kind of cool too. Good, good course is coming up. Hopefully, the USGA can you know check their ego at the door before. I feel like Pebble's kind of harder to fuck up. If they fuck that one up, yeah, that's gonna be heads. Heads, heads will roll. You're right, exactly. Um, that Pebble, I don't feel like the greens are crazy there where they can get I don't away think they from can them because they're so small. They're small and like they don't have the kind of undulation roll offs that like like yeah. Shinnecock has. Right. Like exactly. Shinnecock's greens are crazy. I think Pebble's defense is always the uh, the, the rough and the and the weather. Yeah, yeah they can make the rough Nar- crazy narrow fairways, narrow fairways and small greens. So they'll be fast, but they can't really produce the kind of same stupid scary pins at Pebble because yeah. there's. I mean, the next three years, I'm guessing is going to be narrow, higher up, like classic. Yeah. yeah. Tory, that's what they'll do. Like, too. it has to be. Well, yeah. yeah, Tory's got to play narrow. Yep. All right. So, we'll see what happens. Give it their best shot. All right, Charlie, let's shut down with our Spotify editions. Apologies to Brooks Kepka. Um, we're going to go with the USGA theme this week. <laughs> Last week, we went with a US Open theme. Yep, with um, the boss. We tried to find some songs about Brooks Kepka, but we couldn't... Couldn't find anything that directly pointed to a Brooks or a Kepka or back or back to back Jacks. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know many. Uh, I don't know many Garth Brooks songs at this point <laughs> in my life. So, go. Got a good one for the USGA though. You want to go first? You want me to go sure. first? Sure, I'm going with one. Uh, I uh, this song. I I like this band. I've listened to this song lately, and it's a song by Tame Impala called "The Less I Know, The Better." Because I think that should be the USGA's motto in corsettos going forward. They get to some lyrics at some point somewhere in there, and they say less is better, which take that as submit. Yeah, humble advice. Less is more, not not more is more. Exactly. So (laughs) that's what I'm going with. What are you going with? Found found, out. Found (laughs) a guy by the name of Big B. Okay. Never heard of him Big before. Big B making his podcast or podcast playlist debut. Not gonna lie to you, I was just searching certain words um and the song popped up and thought it was very fitting uh uh for the usga theme that we have we have talked about So yeah, I mean, I don't. I think all of that is extremely accurate. Like, yeah, put putting the players through all that stuff. I just don't think. Uh, I don't think I don't, they're sorry. They're not sorry. I don't at all. think they're remorseful at all. No contrition on the part of the USGA. <laughs> they're gonna keep doing it the next chance they get. So here's uh, to here's to Shinnecock in twenty twenty six. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they can figure it out by then. Third time's a charm. Yeah. Fourth time's a charm. It's shitty. Yeah. It's a damn shame. But <laughs> hopefully the course uh, shines next time and the players shine and right. You know, maybe maybe like we said last time, maybe we will be put on the board. Dude, we could to make decisions. We have a lot. Let of us let us feelings cut the and feedback. <laughs> we'll bring our putters. We'll follow the last group. Yeah, we'll Can- we'll we'll you you put a little dot where you think it's gonna be, and we'll tell you where it should, should be. be. Yeah. Give give Jeff and I some inside the rope credentials. We'll walk walk behind uh, whoever's going to be you know winning the U.S. Open twenty twenty six. Let us cut at least one pen. Just just one. one. Just one. And then you know we'll build up from there over the years. Yeah. When we earn your trust. 
All right, it's gonna do it. That's all we got. 2018 U.S. Open is in the books. Back yep. to back, Brooks Kepka. Way to go, Brooks. Brooksy. Sorry that they're you know gonna only talk about you for a day and about the USGA for a year. Hey, Brooks, uh, if you're listening, because we know you listen every week. Um, <laughs> I know DJ's got a number. I think you said DJ's got a number one in the world or something banner up in the gym. Well, you should take a two-time defending U.S. Open champion banner, put right over that, shove that number one one right up his ass. Yeah, I mean, he took the trophy from DJ, essentially. So I'm, if I'm Brooks Koepka, every time I hang out with DJ, I'm bringing my U.S. Yeah, Open trophy. Yeah, can you take that world number one ranking and Say, shove it, dude? You, you miss it, don't you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, just polish that thing up every day. I think the U.S. Open trophy is called the U.S. Open trophy. It doesn't even have it. Like, not like a green Wanamaker. jacket, not a Wanamaker, not a Claret. <laughs> It's the U.S. Open Trophy. There so, it is. Brooks in the U.S. Open Trophy, a date with Simple Destiny. Congratulations, sir. Well played. Indeed. Uh, as long as you all keep tuning in. We'll keep teeing it up. Cannonball. Good night. Here. Cannonball it. <laughs> <laughs> right back. And then one more, he's right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. No.